Right here, right here, right here, right here. Yeah. You want him? Yeah. Here we go again. Yes, if you are listening to this, I am still driving. I'm still on the road. Like I said, it is November. It is the busiest time of year for me. So uh, if you don't like the way the audio sounds and you would rather wait until I get back home, you would be waiting for these podcasts a long time and maybe you would rather have cleaner audio. I don't know. I, I know audio is going to be a topic one day and clean audio is always a good thing, but I think for the sake of what this podcast is and the goals I'm trying to meet, I think this is a perfect way to deliver the content because I get a lot of these questions every day. I get a lot of this, you know, essentially these ideas come to me while I'm in the field doing this stuff, and I kind of like to have the relevant information available while it's relevant, not, you know, not having to wait on it, just like why TV is dying is because people don't like waiting for it. So I like to get the information out there as quickly as possible. So uh, if you hear a little road noise, it's something you'll just have to deal with or don't listen, you know, either way. But I think there's some people out there that want to listen and want to get some of this information. So I'm going to give it to them as often and as quickly as I possibly can. And, you know, this is my 10th episode, so I'm, I'm starting to enjoy this. Uh, actually, no, 10th. This might be the 11th. I don't know. Anyway, what we're going to talk about on this podcast is what camera should I get? The question I get the most often. But the problem with that question is that is dependent on a lot of factors. The question you should be asking is what camera is best for me? But in order to ask that question, there's a lot of things that I need to know. And a lot of guys don't know the answer to a lot of this. Or they have their eyes are bigger than their stomach type thing. But the number one question that I, when I get this question, the first thing I ask is, what's your budget? All right, once you know your budget, then what are you going to be using the camera for? So what we're going to do is we're going to start with budget. Budget is a huge factor. It is a limiting factor or it can not be a limiting factor if you have a great budget, but that is what is going to make or break what kind of camera and what kind of system, what kind of rig that you're gonna be running is your budget. If you're a guy that's got a thousand, fifteen hundred dollar budget and you're asking me what camera to get, you know, man, I, I really don't have an answer for that because I, I've never operated in that world. And I'm not saying that to be boastful, but there's not gonna be much out there in that range that's going to probably be able to do what you want it to do if you're if you've got that kind of budget and you're just wanting to capture your hunt just so you can relive it and show it to your buddies i would recommend going and buying a gopro or a verb or some sort of pov camera because what you got to think about is within your budget you also need to realize that not only are you going to have to buy a camera you have to buy media you need to buy good microphones you need to buy good support. You need to buy cases and bags and things to maintain your camera and things of that sort. So that $1,500 budget 
isn't really a thousand or fifteen hundred dollar budget because your camera has to come out of that along with all the other stuff that normally what you spend on your camera you're going to have at least that much stuff in supporting gear if not more if you're doing it right so budget is a huge factor first of all set your budget know what you can spend and if you can only spend a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars and you want a camera that's higher quality than that then just wait save your money or take a little bit of that money and rent one or borrow one from somebody that you already know so you can figure out what you want so the budget is the main thing and we're going to talk about a couple different tiers of budget in a minute the next question is what are you going to be using it for are you filming a web show are you trying to start a tv show are you trying to get into freelancing is this something that you're just wanting to make some home videos to show your parents and your grandparents and your buddies you need to define what that goal is that is also a huge factor in deciding what camera that you need to buy or what kind of camera you want to buy a lot of guys want a camera that does pictures and video so you're going to be in the dslr realm you're not going to be in the uh you know three chip three ring type camera uh i really don't know the technical you know prosumer type handheld camcorder i guess would be the best word you're going to be in more of the the dslr range and dslr stands for um digital single lens refractor had a brain fart there for a second and what that is is it has a mirror which a lot of these new dslrs like the a7s2 and those type are mirrorless so they don't actually have a physical mirror inside of the shutter but if you're talking about a nikon or a, a canon camera inside of between the lens and the body of the camera is where your shutter and your sensor live and there's actually a physical mirror that that moves every time you take a picture and it's refracting that light onto the sensor so that's what the dslr stands for before dslrs there were just slrs single lens refractors that actually refracted that light onto a film strip now it's all digital with solid state media sd cards compact flash cards that type thing that's a picture type camera they're designed more for still images than they are designed for video but with that being said sony has done a really good job of bridging that gap and some of the new canons the mark fours have done a really good job of bridging that gap is they shoot absolutely incredible video and like the a7s a7s and the a7s2 are definitely tailored to the video guy it's a tiny body that you can get you can run canon nikon or sony glass on if you buy the adapters and i mean for what that camera is and what you're paying for it's unbelievable and it takes a solid picture and then sony has their a7r2 which is definitely more tailored to the photo guy and it also will take the canon nikon or uh, sony lenses if you have the adapters do your research on what and, and decide what you want to do with it uh, a lot of guys like to have both uh, like the new mark IV shoots incredible video takes an amazing picture but these cameras are outside of your price range if you're in the thousand fifteen hundred dollars so like i said what you should do save your money put some more money back put ten dollars a week back save your money build up a better budget and be able to get what you really want don't try and get something just because you feel like you have to get something all right so you want to take pictures and video you're going to start your own web show 
okay, all those factors are the things that I want to know, and now I know your budget. Now we can start figuring out what kind of camera you want. So I'm just kind of going to go through the different tiers of cameras and what they're good at and what they're not. And I'm probably going to blow through this um, if you have questions or have specific questions on cameras. I don't know all cameras. I'll be the first to tell you. I know a select few that I'll work with, and I'll you know give you my opinions on these cameras as I go. I by no means used all of these cameras, um, or all the ones I've talked about I have used, but I've, by no, I've not used all the cameras out there. There's a ton of cameras out there that are probably awesome that I've never touched. If you've got information on them, I'd be more than happy to hear about it. But starting with the simple type point-and-shoot camcorders, the, you know, the consumer cameras for guys that are out there wanting to just film, their, film a solid hunt, something good with low light that's relatively inexpensive. I would look at the Canon XA20s, the Canon G30s. It's actually, no, it's a Sony, I think it's a, it's a Sony or, I'm having a brain fart again. I think it's the Canon XA20, the Canon G30, and it's the Sony NX5, no, the, I don't remember. I probably should have done a little bit better job on my note taking before I did this, but I would look at look into the, the style camera of the Canon XA20 and the Canon G30. Those are really good cameras for guys that are really getting into it, wanting to learn, and they're really good cameras if you want to be a cell filmer. I think I said that earlier on my very limited cell filming knowledge. So those are, those cameras are going to be your like around 3,000 and under range and then you're going to need to buy a good camera arm support. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But then you're going to get into your prosumer type cameras. These are going to be a little bit bigger. They're going to have more manual functions, and they're, they're going to be a better camera. They're going to have better sensors. They're going to probably record on a little bit better media a lot of the times. They're going to have uh, you know better codex firmwares. They're going to have a little more information on the image that's being recorded to the card, less compressed of an image. Those cameras like the Sony NX3, the Sony NX5U, and even back to the AX2000, which is several years old, but are still awesome cameras. And I think there's even a new version of that NX3 out now. Um, but like I said, I haven't messed with these prosumer type cameras in several years, so I'm not up to date on what those are. But like I'm gonna talk about in a minute, I am all for buying used cameras. And I think I've said that before. The great thing about these cameras, they have dedicated buttons, they have dedicated rings to all your manual functions. And if this is something you're really wanting to get serious about, wanting to get into freelancing, wanting to go hunting with your buddies and have a good solid camera that has XLR ports for all your professional audio, uh, flip out LCDs, they're very rugged, fairly small. You know, they're not as small as the camcorders we were just talking about, but size-wise, they're not gonna be too terribly bulky, they're not heavy. You can travel with them pretty easy. Uh, they're, like I said, they have the, fo the focus, iris, shutter, and ND buttons. They all have buttons and rings dedicated to those things. And once you start getting into filming a lot, you're going to want those things. You're going to want to be able to manipulate those things quickly. And that's the drawback to the smaller camcorders. Like, the, like I said, the Canon XA20, the Canon G30 is, those cameras don't always have dedicated buttons and dedicated rings to be able to change those functions. You either have to use something set on auto, which is not ideal, or you have to go through a menu in order to get to the function that you want. And when an animal's coming in or you want to get a shot quickly or light's fading, sometimes that's not easy to do. 
and you get stuck with a manual function and it's usually not the best image that your camera can take that, that your camera can get or it's not the shot that you had in your mind so those manual functions as you get into using your camera and learning your camera like we talked about learning it backwards and forwards that's something that becomes very important is having those dedicated buttons for your manual functions these are three chip cameras uh, they're going to be a little bit better in low light generally they're going to have more functionality they're going to have some things inside the menu and the camera is going to be able to do maybe some high-speed stuff it's going to be able to uh, some of them can do some cache recording with firmware updates they can do some things that those smaller camcorders can't do manual functionality I just said it is everything learn your manual functions and a prosumer camera is a great one to learn your manual functions they're a little bit bigger but they got a better sensor and manual functions they're gonna be in that $2,500 to I would say 6,000 ish range for one of these cameras unless you buy them used these kind of cameras are the best ones to go on eBay to go on Craigslist to get on some of the Facebook uh, outdoor video pages these cameras are bought and sold a lot these are great cameras to buy used and I've told y'all before other than buying drones used I'm a huge proponent from buying used camera gear because very little moving parts as long as they were in a studio and don't look like they've been drugged behind a truck I am all for buying used cameras it is a great way to save money it is a great way to be able to reinvest that money into support or more batteries or more lenses or any of that all right so now we get into DSLRs DSLRs are awesome for guys wanting to get into filming and really trying to be creative because these DSLRs are going to be able to have manual functionality they're gonna have dedicated buttons as well they're gonna be very small you can throw them in a backpack and the coolest thing is you can change lenses on these cameras and when you start working and learning your camera manually and you start throwing different lenses and different millimeter lenses into the mix that's when you can really start being creative that's also where you can start spending a boatload of money is when you start getting into different lenses because good lenses or good glass as people call it is extremely expensive but it probably will last you years and years and years and years as long as you take care of it if you buy lenses buy UV filters for them buy polarizers take care of that glass you scratch that glass it's going to cost you you break that glass it's going to cost you take care of the glass on the the camera side and the glass on the front it's an investment so take care of it and I'm about to run into a bunch of people on the interstate um, DSLRs are several of them out there really the only two that I've had a lot of experience with are those Sony a7s's the Sony a7r2 and then the Canon 5d's my first ever DSLR was a Canon t3i several years old you can buy them right now probably used for I would say $500 less than a thousand dollars something like that so uh, that's a great entry-level camera I think the newer generation of it likes the t5i or the 70d all those are awesome entry-level DSLR cameras that you can really get into really learn a lot of manual functions really get creative with focal length with depth of field with exposure 
time lapses, long exposures, all of those things happen with inside of a DSLR. So that is something that I recommend if you want to get into filming and want to learn it backwards and forwards, that is absolutely the way to go is to buy a DSLR. It will make you a better videographer. They are tougher to film with in the tree stand because they're just so small. Usually have small screens. The buttons that you have to push are generally pretty small. I know we've tried to film some hunts with an A7S and the, the record button's so small on it. In the heat of the moment, animals coming in, you reach to hit record button and you don't actually hit it and you thought you did. That's, a, that's another drawback to them. Great thing about those new Sonys is they have all the connections to be able to run adapters for not only whatever lens you want to run, but for XLR imports to where you can run professional audio. They have HDMI outputs to where you can run monitors. They have all the different, they make several different cages to where you can have essentially a cheese plate to where you can attach whatever you want to attach to it, whether that's another, uh, whether that's a light, whether that's a ring light, whether that's microphones, whether that's a shotgun microphone, whether that's whatever. It's going to have you know, within that cage all the attachments and all the places to attach things that you could ever want. And that's when you also can start getting into some real serious money is with those cages and with those accessories for those DSLRs. Like I said, the Sony A7S is more dedicated towards pictures. I don't have an A7S. Probably is going to be one of my purchases here coming up. I've used them a lot, but right now what I use for my picture camera and for my time-lapse camera is my 5D Mark II, which is an older DSLR from Canon. It's a full-frame camera. You can buy those used well or pretty cheap. Um, you can get a lot of aftermarket stuff for it too, where it has a lot of battery life. Shoots great video in good light. Once you've got a harsh light, it doesn't. It falls apart. It just doesn't have the information uh, in the codec that it shoots on. So, but as far as getting really creative stuff in pretty light, if you've got a good flat light, it shoots some really pretty stuff, and it takes great pictures. I don't remember the number of megapixels. I think it's like 20. 20 something megapixels that camera takes but all the uh, time lapses if you've seen any of the time lapses that i've posted all of those are shot on my 5d love that camera i have a hack for it instead of running an external intervalometer this is another podcast instead of running an uh, ex external intervalometer i run a, a program called magic lantern which is essentially a hack that goes on the card so i don't have to carry extra stuff with me it just simplifies the whole process um, but we'll get into time lapses. That's a, another podcast for later down the road. But that's something that is a minor obsession of mine is being able to shoot those on DSLRs, bring them into Lightroom, edit them, make them as pretty as I possibly can, then export them out of Lightroom and bring them into Premiere and see what they look like when they're finally put together. But when you see those beautiful things, when you see those really pretty night lapses and star lapses and that type thing, those are shot on DSLRs. They're not shot on your camcorders. They're not shot on your, your big cameras because those don't do long exposures. When I say long exposure, you're talking about a shutter speed that is usually 20 to 30 seconds long. So one single picture takes 30 seconds to take. Like I said, we'll talk about this in a much later podcast, but I'm just going through trying to answer the questions that I get the most often. The next thing we're going to talk about is the POV cameras. GoPros, Verbs, Sony's, Tacticams. I've said it a couple of times. I'm buying Garmin. They work. They do all the things they're supposed to do. They charge. They hold the charge. They don't corrupt cards. 
uh, they come on and work when they're supposed to. All the things that the camera is supposed to do, it absolutely does. I don't have any of the new ver verbs. I have some of the discontinued ones because you can get them on Amazon for $100 to $150. And uh, they're, I mean, they're bulletproof, man. I love them. I, I love the form factor of them. You can tape them onto a gun barrel. You can tape them onto the rail of a buggy. You can, you can do so much cool stuff with them. I make my own mounts for them. They come with a GoPro adapter. So if you had a GoPro that you hate and you threw out of the tree stand like I've wanted to do before, you can use all those GoPro mounts that you've got rattling around the bottom of your bag. That's my opinion on POV cameras. If you're going to buy a POV camera, buy a Verb. I've had heard so many horror stories with GoPro, had so many horror stories with GoPro, had some horror stories with the Tacticams. They might have gotten better recently. Uh, and the Sony cameras, I just didn't like their mounting system. I'm sure the cameras are great. I just I didn't like their form factor as well. I didn't like their little buttons. Just wasn't wasn't a fan. The next level of cameras is if you've got that you've got that five thousand plus budget, you know, five to ten thousand dollar budget, where you're you're about to get serious about buying a camera and buying some equipment, is you're looking at your cinema type cameras. And when I say cinema cameras, these are big cameras that have removable lenses. Most of the time, most of the time, I say this, there's uh most of the time these cameras have removable lenses and they don't have a servo. And when I say servo, they don't have a rocker button to where you can zoom in and zoom out with a button. All of that is manual. So now not only are you running everything in manual, your focus, your iris, your shutter, your ND, but you're also running your zoom manually. There's no electronics for it. The FS7, the F, uh, FS700, that Sony sells a lens that has a servo zoom in it. It's extremely slow. It's like an F4 lens, so it's not very fast, doesn't gather light well, and it's not extremely crisp. That's really the exception. Ran those lenses just enough to know that I don't like them. The great thing about these cinema cameras is they're going to have even bigger and better sensors. They're going to have even more manual functionality. They're going to have better media, they're going to record better codecs to that media, they're going to be richer files that you can do more with in post-production, they're going to have all those professional microphone attachments for your XLRs, they're going to be bigger and more robust for because the bigger your camera is, it's yeah the bulkier it is and heavier it is to carry, but generally if you're running and gunning with a type camera that's that, that's that big, you can essentially hold that camera still and your motion is natural versus trying to hold a camera still. When you're standing there filming someone, you have your natural movement as you stand there and move around. It's gonna be better on a big cinema camera than it is on a small camera that you're having to hold the palm of your hand. These cameras, you rest on your shoulder, get up in a, a viewfinder, run all of your manual functions, you're holding your camera with your right hand, running all your manual functions with your left hand. It's a much harder camera to run, but the image that you get from it and the versatility that you have in post-production is that much better. And when we talk about these cameras, the ones that I'm running right now are the FS5, the FS7, and if you really want to step the game up is when you get into the reds. Those are extremely expensive, but like you said, you can buy those used. Um, even the F5s, the Sony F5s, which that's also, that's on the, you know, that's on the red playing field. But generally, 
if you're talking about that camera in the outdoor space, it's going to be the FS5 or the FS7. The FS5 is the baby brother to the FS7. It's a very small camera. Generally, the body's around $4,000, $5,000. They just updated a firmware to where you can run 120 frames continuous. So you can put it in S&Q mode, which is slow and quick, and it will record slow motion video at 120 frames a second until that card's full. And if you're familiar with the old FS700s, which I still run as well, they will record slow motion video at 240 frames, but only for eight seconds. So you have to pick and choose your eight seconds. So the FS5, great sensor, new firmware update that you have to pay for, by the way, will support 120 frames continuous. It'll shoot 60 frames, and it will also do the cache record at 240 frames, just like the FS700. Awesome little camera, awesome little package, all the manual functions, removable lenses, all that good stuff. Really like that camera and shoots on the new 150 megabit SD cards. They're a little more expensive, but it's also cool to know you can run by Walmart, run by Best Buy and get cards if something were to happen. The FS7 is the big brother to this camera. This camera natively will run 180 frames continuous. You put it in slow and quick, hit the record button, it will record at 180 frames slow motion until the card's full, which is usually, depending on how big your card, 20, 30, 40 minutes if you want to deal with it. But that's a huge, I mean, that's a 128 gig file on their big cards. So these, these use a lot more expensive media. The XQD cards are a heck of a lot more expensive and not near readily available as the FS5 cards. This camera has a little bit better sensor more functionality. It's got, uh, they are they're constantly updating the firmware. The form factor, and when I say form factor, I mean how you hold the camera and how easy it is to run as far as run and gun and how they ergonomically build it. The FS7 is a little bit better than the FS5. It's bigger and heavier, but it also comes with a big long um, handle on the front to help balance the weight on your shoulder gives you all the buttons right there at your fingertips, has the removable lenses, has a little bit better viewfinder with uh, a hood and a drop-down uh, viewfinder LCD, like if it gets really bright, which I don't use very often, but it, it, but it has that option. That's getting really technical into the camera, but that's what you, if you had that great budget, that's what you're going to look for is that FS7, FS5. Or if you really got a great budget, go buy a red, which if you're looking for a red, you're probably not listening to this podcast because you already know probably more than I do. I've already talked about it. it is okay to buy used. Make sure it's not been drug behind a truck. Where to buy cameras? I buy most of my cameras off eBay. I buy a lot of my cameras on Craigslist. I buy and sell from friends of mine. I would recommend go to eBay. Go on, put in a search criteria, save that search, and anytime something comes up, it will notify you. Know your budget, stay within your budget, and figure out which camera that you're wanting to get, and eBay is a great place to do it. And searching locally on Craigslist. Sometimes things will post, come up on Craigslist, and you can get them at a really good deal because those are two different buying markets normally. Normally, you're going to get things on Craigslist a little bit cheaper than you even are on eBay, and another great place is like the Facebook Marketplace. Every now and again, some great things come across there. I just always keep an eye out for stuff like that. Um, Amazon is a great place to buy the POV cameras. 
like I said in the last podcast, if you don't have an Amazon Prime account, get an Amazon Prime account. It will make your life a lot simpler when you need stuff quickly shipped to you wherever you are in the country. You get it in two days for free. Um, supporting gear. So you've found out, you figured out what your budget is. You figured out what you're going to do with your camera. You decided what camera you're going to get. Say you've got, you're going to invest $3,000 in the camera and your budget's $4,000. Well, now you've got $1,000 to play with to get good supporting gear. Supporting gear is your tripod, your fluid head, your camera arm, your lights, your microphones, your shotgun microphones, your cases, your bags, extra batteries, lenses, all the things that are going to support your camera in the field. Number one and number two things to buy and not to skimp on is your tripod and number one is your fluid head. Those two things are so important. And if you've ever used a crappy fluid head, you know what I'm talking about. They are, there are some really junky ones out there. There's several consumer level uh, heads that Benro and Manfrotto sell. They're pretty good. If you want to be an entry level guy, they're pretty, they're fairly inexpensive. They're not terribly expensive. Then there's tiers of tripod heads. They go from 100 bucks to there's several of them that are 2,000 plus. My fluid head is a Sockler DV6. It's about a $1,600 head, but it's the best one out there. Like I said, the supporting gear and what that camera is sitting on is sometimes as important as what kind of camera is, is it's holding. Get good tripod legs. Don't skimp on that type of stuff it will make your life so much easier in the long run. If you can't afford it now, save up for it later. Get a good camera arm. I'm a muddy camera arm guy. I've heard good and bad about the fourth arrows. I've heard they don't support heavy cameras very well. So if you've got a light camera rig, I would suggest looking at that fourth arrow because it's a lot smaller footprint. It's not near as big and bulky as like a muddy arm is, but as far as weight and support and functionality, those muddies are great but they're a lot heavier and harder to carry in the woods than say one of those uh, fourth arrow arms. There's another couple other arms out there that honestly I don't even know if I would look into. Uh, if you've got a decently heavy camera look at the muddy, uh, the muddy hunter arm. If you're running just like a cell film rig, smaller rig, look at those fourth arrow arms and then look at the muddy outfitter arm which is their smallest arm those are really solid i've owned all three of the muddy arms at one point or the other they don't make the boss hog anymore which is the one that i use that can support a lot of weight because my rig weighs 26 pounds once it's out on the end of the camera arm so i have to have something that's got some high end to be able to hold it up and that's the only arm that's ever been able to do it other than some custom welded ones that are how they weigh they weigh more than the camera rig does but uh, it's one of those things to where once I get it in the tree, it's a big and bulky and heavy. But once you get it in the tree and set up, man, it's silky smooth and you don't have to worry about anything. And it's once it's set up, there's nothing better than that than that setup I have found. And when you're in the tree and as much as I am, it's it's worth it to be able to and not only to, to have good gear, but to be confident in it and to be confident in your abilities with it. I've set up that arm in the dark. God, I couldn't tell you how many times. 
If you have some more questions, you can get me on Instagram at Redneck Tech Podcast or my email is rednecktechpodcast at gmail.com. Let me know what you think. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed it. Hope you learned something. Like I said, if you got questions, let me know. Appreciate it, guys. Until next time.